Welcome to Your American Heritage. My name is Ed Bondarenko. I'm a normal cisgendered white male. My pronouns are my business, and what you refer to me as are yours, so use them wisely. The producer is Derek Stone, hardest working man in radio. Yeah. And Derek also hosts Stone Cold Sports, Sundays at noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd, the rock and rev on the intersection at noon, because it's not your normal fluffy Christian show. We don't need any fluff around these parts. So, it's day 360 of the coup. Let's go to war. Father, please lead us and guide us today and in the days to come. And please give us the wisdom we need as we fight this assault on our nation. Please help us retake the government from these traitors and criminals. Amen. Now, this is a pre-recorded show, so don't bother trying to call in. But... I've just found out that I'll be hosting Moment of Clarity after this show, and I've asked Dave Coleman at the last minute to join me, so we're looking forward to that also. Before I start playing the interview with Matt Briggs, uh, my guest on today's show, I'd like to take a few moments to express my condolences to the family of Allison Lorkowski. Allison Lorkowski was a contributor to the show, a patriot, a constitutional Christian, and all-around uh, um, wonderful person, an activist for this country. And um, Allison was the founder of Vote Biblically, uh, responsible for putting up billboards around the country, encouraging people to do just that. She was an organizer, an activist, and a friend. And she will be missed by her family and those that knew her. And I got to also say that if it hadn't been for Allison, I never would have met Bill Federer and uh, become friends with him. As you know, he's a contributor to this show also. So thank you much, Allison, for your contributions to this country and enjoy your well-deserved rest with Jesus. Thanks. Today's guest is a friend of the show, Matt Briggs, statistician to the stars. Matt blogs at wmbriggs.com. That's W-M-B-R-I-G-G-S dot com. And he tweets as... Famed celebrity. Famed celebrity. People, people uh, love celebrities, so I decided to become one, and therefore they would listen to me. Yeah. So, okay, famed celebrity. And he's also the author of Uncertainty. He's the co-author of Price of Panic, and most recently... Everything you believe is wrong, which actually I wrongly first read as everything you know is wrong. And then right off in the book, Matt points out that that's not the name of the book. So welcome to the show, Matt. I'm glad to have you here again. It's good to talk to you. You're always an interesting person to talk to, which is helpful because I'm not. And that way the audience doesn't get bored so much or there's not a lot of dead air as I talk to myself and wait for myself to reply. I was reading your book, and if you don't mind, I'm going to read the opening blurb. Please. Welcome to the book that proves everything you believe is wrong. Well, not everything. 
only the most important things. If you're in the majority, then a great deal of what you hold truth about the world and of life is false. Let's be careful with the title. It's not what you know that is wrong, but what you believe. This is not quite the book I thought it was, which is it's all right with me. You know, I'm often surprised by, by things in life. I had thought that this would challenge my beliefs. Like, oh, I believe that Joe Biden is president of the United States. <laughs> well. <laughs> he is, however, oh. president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Whether he got there legitimately or not, that's uh, that's a different question. But he is, in fact, president. Yes, and and actually, you've written uh, extensively on that. You were quite involved last year in uh, about this time in a lot of the arguments against the election fraud. But you can believe anything. So you mentioned something at the beginning of the book, right after this this um, opening statement, that. You don't believe in the terms liberal and conservative or left and right, but you have another set of terms for those. I want you to share them with us. These, these terms have some use, but uh, li- liberal, conservative, and, and left and right and all these kinds of things, they do have some use, but uh, these are, you know, and Democrat, Republican, these are not, however, the, the main drivers of things. These are not the, the main disputes or the main divisions. It's, it's really those people who are aligned, aligned with reality to the best extent that they can be and those who are against reality and substitute fantasy uh, to the extent that they can for, uh, for their belief system. And that's, that's the real division. That's the division that always persists. Uh, regardless whether someone may be considered left or right, the, the, that, 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 that's only useful in certain political contexts. It doesn't necessarily mean those people who are, are trying to get close to reality as they can get and those who are trying to escape it. Okay. So you use the terms based and debased. And I think oh, that... yes. That works out yes. Well, ba- yes, so yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. Well, ba- based is a based is a neologism that uh, you know, like uh, it, it forms the pair of an unpaired word. They say so that you you've heard people joke about uh, being gruntled and not being disgruntled. <laughs> disgruntled, yeah. And yeah. so they they form the word debased. The culture is large. Our our culture now is inarguably. I mean, to us anyway, we're in the minority, in the extreme minority, really. Uh, the the culture is debased, and so the opposite of that is uh, based. I didn't or- originate this term. This this was uh, well in use for years now. I'm I'm not even sure who uh, came up with it. But uh, based is everything. Everything that debased is not. Uh, you know. Uh, so I have some things that are like uh, non-procreative sexual activities, which our culture finds interesting. Those are debased. But procreation, family is based uh you know so uh, what else well there's, there's so many so many but so many ways you can turn that you know like for instance i'm based i am i have a solid footing in the world i and and i i have good reason to believe that i really do believe the science not the made-up science i believe that you know two plus two is four and you know there's so many so many different things that, that math is not racist you know I, I believe that 
God created man and woman, and that's the way they are. I am very much based in that. But when you leave those realities, then you become debased. And as you that's pointed it. out, that's it. That's exactly it. So the reality. So the reality is that uh, you know they have equality. They believe in equality, and they 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 believe in equality leads to equity. That's debased. We say differences exist, and differences are in reality. So differences are based. Uh, you know, speaking of mathematics, the reason why mathematics is considered racist is because some people and some races don't do well on these standardized tests as other people in other races. And therefore, that can't be so because we are equal. They accept this equality as an implicit premise. And therefore, the only explanation to them that it can account for differences in math scores is racism. That's it. That's the only thing that could be there. Even if you've removed all possible uh, traces of visible racism, you know, where people actually hate somebody because of their race or something like this, and you have blacks just teach blacks and whites just teach whites and Asians <laughs> just teach Asians and so forth, and, and you do spend uh, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars over decades and, these, and, the, and, and the differences in these scores persist, well, then it must be systemic racism. <laughs> and if you can't find any traces of it, you have to make things up because it can't be differences in people. Differences in people is ruled out by fiat, by dogma, uh, by anti-realistic uh, fantasist dogma, debased dogma. Equality to them reigns. I have a whole chapter on that, too, because that drives... An enormous amount of uh, the direction our culture is going, this ridiculous and false belief in equality. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, of course, blacks have to teach blacks, whites have to teach whites. And how long has it been since they've said it's white conservatives that want to take us back to the 50s? And yet you're <laughs> Exactly describing life in the fifties: black teaching black and white teaching white. It's it's just that that's how debased they are. I, I also think in the terms of debased is like kind of like floating away, just kind of whatever you have no base, yeah. so you're just floating back and forth with the wind and whatever somebody says or makes up over here. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Whatever if it gets me social credit points. Yeah. What white right? White racism is very bizarre. Uh, white racism, of course, causes blacks to score less well on test scores. I have, everybody agrees to that. But for some reason, maybe because whites put all their mystical energy into depressing black scores, that Asian scores rise above everybody's. So whites simultaneously cause Asians to do better and blacks to do worse. So this, this is the, the true power of whites. Uh, in, in their in their systemic racism, you know, paranormal powers. You know, so it, it makes no sense. None of it makes any sense. But of course, it persists because we're very tribal. Uh, humans are very tribal. This is because differences do exist, and it's natural to uh, to want to be around your own tribe and your own people, however that's defined, and that's you know that has a lot of fluidity to it. But, you know, when, when definitions arise and we embrace them, and most of them are based around family, and because, they, uh, because we do have families, because we have parents and, 
you know, uh, mothers and fathers tend to marry people who are like themselves, and, uh, you know, you have children who are then like your parents, and those children look to marry people who are sort of like their parents in some ways, and so you end up having tribal continuity. And so it's natural to, to, to come into these tribes to some extent. So we shouldn't be surprised that people are, are crying about this and wanting it. But to say, but they have a bizarre kind of dichotomy. They, they believe two simultaneously incompatible things at the same time, that, that, that somehow race doesn't exist because of equality, and only whites are racist. And, and gender doesn't exist either, except that... Uh, and gender doesn't exist, and only yeah. men are sexist. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, you know, and while you were talking about, you know, uh, this sort of tribalism, I was reminded of the Old Testament, where God told the people to uh, treat the stranger, the one who comes in, to treat him well, not to reject him, not to cast him out, but to to be friendly to him, you know, which is a, a real, I mean, when God tells you to do that, you know somebody needs to be told to do that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. God normally doesn't tell us to do the things we would normally do. So, yeah, so, you know, that, that evil Judeo-Christian religion actually calls for this breakdown of tribalism. So, you, uh, you talk quite a bit in here in the book well why don't you tell me and tell the audience what you think the main thrust of this book is about before i try and interpret it for you well basically it doesn't uh you know i say in many places that all crises are spiritual and we're having a crisis now uh, or a series of crises not just a crisis and so these are at root spiritual and it's because we have uh, more or less two foundational differences. Like I say, we have the, the, the reality-based crowd, based, the reality-based based people, and those who try to substitute reality to the largest extent they can with their own fantasies. And this is, these are two fundamentally different spiritual, uh, metaphysical, religious beliefs. They're incompatible. Uh, and so... The majority, certainly, the majority of, uh, I don't necessarily mean a numerical majority of people. I, I take great pains to stress that I mean those experts, those people in power, those who head every sort of uh, even religious organization, all businesses, all professional organizations, all bureaucracies, certainly almost every single university, uh, most, almost all professors, People in the ruling class, the elites, the experts, these people are on one side of the debate, and uh, we, the little people, uh, who are largely out of power almost everywhere and control of very little or even nothing, uh, we have a fundamentally different set of beliefs than, than, the, uh, than the majority, the, those in the ruling class. So that's the fundamental breakdown. And so basically what I do is I try to pick off what I think are the biggest differences i don't i can't get absolutely everything in there mm -hmm. the book is already too long as it is i think but uh, i try to get all the biggest differences and expose those arguments used by our so-called betters and elites uh to show that they are fallacies 
And so I just sort of all these fallacies that I that I explore, they're, none of them are are new. Uh, they're not, you know, they, they've been known since Aristotle's day, but uh, no one remembers the Latin tags, and no well, one applies them. Few few apply them correctly. So I give them fanciful names just to make them a little bit easier to remember, I hope, and and therefore recognize when you're confronted with one. Well, you write better than Aristotle anyhow, so there is that. No! (laughs) No, no, he is exceptionally clear. (laughs) Yeah, but you're more fun to read. So, and uh, and maybe more prolific, too. And besides, we have more extant copies of your writings that, you know— primary source material than we do of Aristotle's. Everything Aristotle did, you know. Is, is, that is uh, unfortunately <laughs> true, yes. So, I was listening to something the other night while I was reading your book, and I thought, whoa, how apropos. It's like a friend of mine gave me Kurt Schlichter's book, uh, People's Republic. I don't know if you've read this or not, but it's really no. good. And it's about after the uh, American Civil War, and the country's split in half, and California is, of course, one of the blue states, and this agent has to go into California. And it's described, uh, actually, the author, Kurt Schlichter, gets in the head of one of the characters who's a, who's a head of the intelligentsia over there. And as this guy's talking, he's certainly debased. I've, I've got Chuck Schumer on the TV, and I'm thinking... Holy cow, Chuck Schumer is this guy. This guy is Chuck Schumer. It's all all this woke stuff, you know, all this nonsense coming out. So I was having another one of those moments when I'm reading your book, and I hear this. 17 signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated in the lab. Do you think words like conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper? Senator, I never used that word when I was referring to it. You're distorting virtually everything. So, one of the things you were talking about is how people reply or avoid replying in an argument. Clearly, Rand Paul was asking Dr. Fauci, is it proper for these scientists in this paper to use the word conspiracy theorists. And what was what was Fauci's reply? Oh, I didn't use that word. I didn't say that. Did he answer the question? He did not. He did not. That's somewhat of a, a well, that, that's just standard dodge. I mean, everybody should recognize that dodge. There's lots of dodges, though, that people don't recognize. My favorite, I, I lead the book off with it because it's used... And this is sort of a version of it, what Fauci did. It's the so's your old man fallacy in which uh, some person makes a charge, you did this, and then the other guy comes back well, saying, yeah, well, so-and-so did worse. And it's used often in politics. Uh, It's always a distraction. All of these things are a distraction. What you should do is if you've asked a question, if you've asked a question and you did not get the answer, because the person has tried to dodge it. Uh, do not listen to their answer. Do not respond to their answer. Do not be baited by their answer. Instead, re-ask the question. Just re-ask the question. Be dull and plotting. Be like a lawyer and go straight for it. Don't be denied getting your question answered. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you be dogged. You could point out they're trying to distract. 
and so forth, but just say, no, no, answer the question, is it proper? Is it proper to have conspiracy theory? And in fact, of course, we've all learned now that conspiracy theory is just another word for <laughs> yet to be confirmed. Exactly. That's what I was saying the other day. Yeah, conspiracy theory is the stuff that's going to be proven as history in the future. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So after I listened to that, that exchange between Fauci and there, there were more of these things where, you know, um, Dr. Paul says something to Fauci about uh, something, and Fauci comes back and says, oh, do you know that I, I have death threats against me? In fact, here, here it is right yeah. now. What happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there, and I have life that threats upon my life, harassments of my family, and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. What uh, happens when he... That is, he's talking to a guy who, if I recall correctly, his neighbor beat him up uh, for no good reason, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and Fauci, Fauci's attempt there is to become a victim. There's no higher status being in our culture than a victim. A victim uh, is, is superior in probably every moral way that we can consider. Everybody wants to be a victim. Uh, this is part of our being debased. I mean, why, why celebrate victimhood instead of the opposite? So he, he appeals to the, the, the press and everything. I am a victim here. I am the true victim here, even though he has committed many, many crimes against uh, nature and against reality himself, Fauci. Yeah, in fact, that's that's part of the reply that he was making. He before that particular statement, he said something effective. Rand Paul had accused him of millions of deaths, and to not be doing these experiments. They do do them. Uh, there's no good moral reason to do these things. They've at least not never justified them on any practical grounds. They say the reason that they were doing the research is to uh, to learn about these pandemics and to learn how to treat them and respond to them. And then here we go, we have one based on their own research, and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to respond. They didn't know how to <laughs> treat it. Nothing. And we do have uh, lots and lots of dead people because of this, because of the hubris of scientists like Fauci. So whether he is uh, guilty of murder or manslaughter or, or however you want to phrase it, he is at least involved in this in some way. So the accusation is not baseless. Well, one of the things that I say at the beginning of my show is that uh, what are we to do with a government, with an administration and business people, you know, a government, administration and business people that lead to the deaths of millions of people? What have we done historically? And it's like the Nuremberg trials come to mind, you know? Yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, pleas for for the Nuremberg trial, uh, you know, redo. But I don't think we're going to see something like this. This mistake is so large. The, the reason we had the Nuremberg trials is not not just because of the underlying crimes, but because one side won and one side <laughs> that committed the crimes lost. And here we have the opposite. We have the side that committed the crimes won and are still winning. They're still in charge. 
So there will be no uh, admission of guilt. There'll be no trials. I mean, there's no way to force such a mechanism. I believe we're going to see a reckoning, I think, with the midterms and perhaps 2024. Well, let's hold that thought. We've come to the end of the first segment, so we're going to go to commercial break. Folks, join us after the break, your American heritage, and we'll talk some more with Matt Briggs. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. We were warriors on the front lines, standing unafraid. Well, welcome back to the second half of your American heritage. I hope you're enjoying our conversation with Matt Briggs, author of Everything You Believe Is Wrong. Before the break, we were discussing whether or not uh, there would be any payback for uh, the crowd, the administration, and you know, world leaders that have been foisting this disaster upon us. I believe we're going to see a reckoning if the American people can be kept, kept informed, kept focused. Uh, there's quite a reaction right now to what's going on. I mean, I've, I've been at work and I've heard people who last year were saying stuff very much left of center and now are agreeing with me about this administration and the corruption and everything they see going on. And if we can just keep that going out front. There's something else I wanted to play here because as I was listening to the argument uh, between Fauci and, and Paul, and I was reading your book, and I was thinking about, boy, these are some classic examples of exactly what Matt was talking about. Tucker goes and says this. Are you following the reasoning here? So the first time Rand Paul asks him a question, Fauci says, almost a million people have died. You can't ask me that question. So then Rand Paul says, yeah, almost a million people have died and you were making the rules. So you're not taking any responsibility for that. And Fauci, rather than answering the question or manning up in any way, says, oh, I wasn't really in charge. I was just giving suggestions on TV. Filthy demagogue. Yeah. So if I can't it, put it any better than that. <laughs> well, you wrote a whole book on it. Filthy. Filthy demagogue is exactly the right term for that, that fraud. I just don't see how, how the guy, I mean, especially, okay, he killed millions of people. We can get over that. But the dogs, the little puppy dogs and the monkeys, you know, that's, that's despicable. That, that, you know, the way the populace normally works is like they don't get upset about human deaths, but boy, kill a puppy. You know, and you'd think that there would be. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to hate another person. It's not so easy to hate a puppy. <laughs> right. So I'd like to shift gears here a little bit, maybe with you. And, and we can get back to your book if it comes to that. Uh, so I'm really enjoying I'm, I like the clarity of the way you're describing a lot of these arguments and reactions. But we recently heard some wonderful news. Well, let's say, I'm sorry. Some wonderful and not so wonderful news from the Supreme Court. And that was that the Biden mandate for businesses got thrown out six to three. But for some reason, the Biden mandate for hospitals remained five to four. And uh, 
That's yep. Yeah, that's that's sad. It's really sad for the people in the hospitals that work there and they're in that position. But um, I'm thinking that when we talk about uh, uh, people and uh, what they think about life, and particularly when when you mentioned that, I was thinking in terms of pro life, and I'm thinking that given this this turn against Biden and the mandates. Perhaps the Supreme Court's going to man up and come out pro-life. They they might. I don't know. Uh, so the, you you can't trust Roberts. I think Roberts is behind this dichotomy of the ruling. Uh, they did, in fact, he joined the majority in in quashing the OSHA mandate, and for for very excellent reasons. The the very excellent reasons that uh, this is not. Uh, that the that the government was basically saying unemployment cures COVID. This is the way I put it. Unemployment cures COVID. You can't get sick if you're fired from your job, and neither can you pass on the disease if by some miracle you do get sick because you're not employed. That's what they were going to do. They were going to fire you, and this was somehow going to protect people. They use good arguments like, uh, well, you know, you're, you, you can't take the vaccine off at the end of the day. It's something that sticks with you. And they've rejected expert authority, what I call experts. Experts are uh, credentialed people who align themselves with the ruling class and provide evidence for the rulers to use to, uh, to get their ways, to produce these laws and so forth. They basically said, well, the OSHA was trying to create law, uh, not just de facto law, but de jure law. And they rejected all of those claims. They rejected them all on good grounds. Uh, and then they turned around and, and, and uh, used the same arguments against themselves in, uh, when Roberts and Kavanaugh they kept, uh, came out of the majority and went, to the, and went to what I call the tremulous trio of Breyer, the wise Latina, and Kagan, who basically said, we need to do all this. We need to fire people because we're scared, we're frightened, and because experts have said it's best. And they defer to experts entirely entirely and that's their that's their whole line of arguments they have said this is best therefore what right do we have to question it well that's so, but uh the, so but the, the roberts roberts and kavanaugh they they wanted to have it both ways they wanted to not split the country they wanted to I, I guess roberts is infamous for doing these kinds of things by trying to stick with the government as much as he can to avoid any kind of dissension but this is the time for dissension this is the time to man up and make a a solid ruling. He changed his mind. He used the uh, he used uh, reasoning uh, for himself and against himself in, in these opinions. So it makes no sense. Yeah, I was talking to David Coleman about about these uh, rulings last Saturday, and we were discussing on what grounds they could do this. And and unfortunately, he felt that there was they could that OSHA was legal to come up with an emergency rule, and that's why the uh, court was asking so many questions about is this still an emergency and yet you know the question is do they have the right even to make these emergency rules and one thing that that, that dave pointed out to me was you know well you can take off a hard hat at the end of the day but you can't take that that uh jab out of your system the one that's that could conceivably that's what Th- thomas uh, made that same exact argument in his dissent on the health care ruling and Excellent. i think he must have contributed the same phrase to the osha ruling by the way, for your listeners, anybody can download, just go to the Supreme Court's website. They're right there on the front page. 
you could download the opinions, read them. You don't have to let it get filtered by the propagandists to tell you what uh, they think it means. Go and read it for yourself. Excellent, excellent. So um, I was looking at your blog, and you wrote, so science is not the answer. Should we coerce COVID drugs because science? And so pretty much the, uh, the same thing that uh, was answered by, you know, Scottus today. Um, should we do this? You know, and, and you mentioned, that's, that's a thought I wanted to pursue. You mentioned that some of these justices, particularly uh, Kagan, uh, Sotomayor. Wise Latina. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, the, affirm- the affirmative action justice, I, I refer to her exactly. as. You know, the one who couldn't keep any facts straight about how many people have died of, of what age group or, or geez, you so she relies on the experts. But that's part of a problem of our government right now is that we have what's called the administration. The administrative state. The administrative state. Thank you. Yes. Well, I, I, I go into this in the book, too. Uh, you know, quota hiring, diversity and perverse, perversity quota hiring absolutely and necessarily leads to a reduction in standards. Absolutely always, without exception. And, and, the, and the way it works, I discuss all this, especially, especially with wise Latinas hiring. Uh, you, you, you find somebody because they fit this particular demographic profile, and you have to find somebody in that profile and nobody else. You, you, you don't choose on merit. And so standards have to be lowered. And so what they do is they, uh, they admit these people, and they lower the standards. And they say, we are not lowering standards as they are in the process of lowering standards. And then what happens after it's revealed, eventually it becomes obvious the standards have been lowered. They say, this is always the next step, they say, the standards were never needed. We didn't need those standards, we're moving to different standards. And you see this really clearly in, for instance, uh, women in the military in combat roles and so forth. Women physically can't compete with men. There's no argument about this whatsoever. Uh, but they say, you know what, uh, we're not going to let that stand in the way. The women who are able to do the, the same physical uh, tasks as men will, will let in because we're going to base this on merit. And then it turns out no women can compete, so they lower the standards. And then they say, again, they didn't lower them as they're lowering them. And then afterwards they say, you know, we don't really need these standards because we really need to get gender equity. We really need gender equity, or we need race equity, or we need uh, trans equity, or we need gay equity, or whatever. Whatever equity they need, they, they say that's the overweening uh, driving force behind these things. So it's not merit, it's not ability, it's nothing else except to stack positions with certain tribal affiliations. And that's it. Yeah. And and so that's where we get that was, that's where affirmative action comes from, and then back to the administrative state when somebody like Sotomayor says, "Well, I'm going to listen to the experts." Actually, she's supposed to be the expert, you know, Supreme Court justice, expert on the law. So, like, do some homework, but instead to say, "Well, I'll just listen to the expert, Dr. Fauci, and I don't have to do any work," or we see the Congress people, they don't actually want to write laws. They just want to go to fundraisers and be on TV, but they don't want to actually do the homework of writing a law, so they give it to the lobbyists, or they just say, okay, 
we want to do this in general. And then when it comes down to the, the specifics, we'll let this bureaucracy work it out. And of course, the bureaucracy is unelected. The bureaucracy can't be fired. And they're making all the decisions for us, which is how we get something like this OSHA law. That's it. The, the, the representatives hide behind the bureaucracy. They don't dare make a, a law based on this because then they're accountable. Whereas the bureaucracy is not. They're not fireable. You can't go to these people and demand that they be fired for making bad decisions and incorrect and false decisions, harmful decisions. You can never get rid of anybody in these bureaucracies, but you can oust a congressman just by not voting for him anymore if he makes an atrocious law. So they, they, they bring on this administrative state, or what I call the expertocracy, mm. uh, because of this sort of things. And now, I mean, largely, most of the rules that we live by, their de facto laws, uh, come from experts, come from the expertocracy, the bureaucracies and universities and the like. And I, I think that uh, there's nothing going to stop this expertocracy from coming into being fully. I mean, Burnham saw it in 1941 when he wrote uh, The Managerial State. And, uh, and uh, uh, Sam Francis wrote about it himself uh, just before he died. Of, oh, I can't remember the year, 2013, mm. 12, something like this, and Leviathan and his enemies. This thing is growing inexorably, and because of technology, I mean, this globalization, the, uh, the idea, for instance, that all of these people go to the same universities, regardless of countries sometimes, and they share the same ideas at, the, at these universities. They come to believe the same things. They come to believe themselves this elite class, that because they're experts, and they do this from the goodness of their heart, a lot of them. This is not some... Uh, cabal, you know, trying to take over the world or something, but they believe because they are experts in, in a certain field that therefore their opinion should be law in that field. That, that opinion should direct all activities in that field. The problem is there's experts for every possible aspect of human life, <laughs> and so we have rule by experts. And there's no arguing with them, because how can you argue with them, Ed? You, you know, you don't have a Ph.D. from uh, Oxford University. You can't possibly know more than this expert who, is, who has certified uh, and credentialed in his beliefs. And so you lose the ability to even uh, come up with a formidable reply to them. Uh, it's, it's the old-fashioned appeal to authority, fallacy. And so that's going to become our form of law. You know, it, I guess in a true democracy or democratic, we would – Democratic Republic, we would choose our experts. We wouldn't choose lawyers. We'd, we'd directly vote for our experts. You know, I'm reminded of the. Well, that movie. has all kind of uh, that has all sorts of other problems. I I, I think uh, no, because the in a democracy anyway, which is the uh, a form of tyrannical government, as mm -hmm. Aristotle taught us. Uh, you know, the people are too easily led by propaganda. We see this all the time. It, they're too easy to foment or you know, to rouse up and to, to vote for things that are not in their interest or the mob. crazy things. Become a mob, a rabble. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong. In, in fact, Burnham wrote a lot of good things about the, what he called the managerial state, uh, there's nothing necessarily wrong w with that form of rule, but uh, what we have now is our experts, well, everything they believe is wrong. 
they're 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 in, they're they're inclined to embrace fantasy instead of reality. So what we really need is an expertocracy in which we replace their experts with our experts. That's the kind of form of government that's going to – it's happening anyway. It's inexorable, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, and you can argue against it. But no, that's what I'm I was right, saying. That would be – that would, that's where this is going. You know, we choose – we vote yeah. for experts. We don't vote for lawmakers anymore. We vote for, for experts because you're going to find an expert on either side of the, the uh, uh, argument. And, of course, speaking of arguments – uh, you wrote a book about making arguments, and then you went and plugged that book right in there when you said, you know, everything they believe is wrong. The name of your book. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Incidentally, I'm not a big fan of voting in general, uh, and I go for reasons. Uh, for, for I'll give you the one voting policy that I discuss. Uh, I'll just think about think about presidential elections and how easy it is to manipulate mass opinion through uh, polling, fake polls happens all the time. The propagandists uh, spew out endless propaganda, masquerading as news and journalism. And you know, uh, right now, if you have in a culture that is uh, homogeneous, in which I mean everybody agrees on the direction that they want to go. Well, we can be somewhat loose about what we mean by that. But everybody, there's a, there's a strong shared culture. Everybody has the same goals, more or less, to varying degree. They might weight them a little bit different. But we share the same spiritual beliefs, same cultural beliefs, and we believe we should go in this certain direction. And now we want to have a vote for a leader, such as president. Then it becomes a vote on, I think uh, man A is better than man B. And you think man B is better than man A. And so we'll have a vote, we'll have a contest, and we'll tout the abilities of both of these men, and we'll vote for them. And in the end, your guy wins. And I'll be somewhat disappointed in this because I thought A was better. But I'm comforted because I know that we're still going to aim for the goals that I want. Maybe not in the quite the same form I would have liked if I got my guy in, but it's not the big deal. You and I could still be pals after this because after this vote, after you've won, because after all, we still want the same things, more or less. Well, you're describing then, the political culture in the 60s. Yes. Now contrasted with what we have today, where we have two separate cultures. We have the reality-based culture and the fantasy-based culture. We want different things. So the vote is no longer about uh, who is best to lead the country. It's now voting for which direction we should go. Now, okay... So I want to go in a completely diametrically opposite direction that, uh, that uh, the left does, that Nancy Pelosi's group does. And if they win the election, I'm going to be bitterly disappointed, not just sad about it or unhappy or displeased, but bitterly disappointed because now the country is going to go in a direction that I hate, that I don't want, that's uh, completely antagonistic to all of my beliefs. So, therefore, that builds dissension in, in my set because we have lost the election. But, but what people don't realize is the people that won the election, we see this now, but the people that won the election also come to distrust voting and, and, and the process themselves because they think to themselves, good grief, the wrong side almost won. We can't let them do this to us again. <laughs> we must, what do they say, protect our democracy. Yeah. Protect our which means they must protect their tribal beliefs. 
Pass a law, so go nuclear exactly in the Senate. So voting itself, the process of voting itself only exacerbates this. And the next time, uh, so you're more, you're more sanguine than I am, but I think the next time we have an election, it's just going to, it, it makes things a little bit worse incrementally each time. So I, I don't like, I, I like the idea of subsidiarity much better, the old rules of federalism and so forth. where Subsidiary, which, uh, local, local rule. Local. The more local rule you have, and then you elect the, you elect leaders because you know something about the guys who are in your neighborhood in your own tribe. They know something about their own. The, those elected leaders know something about their each individual elected leaders. They in turn vote for people into a higher office, and so forth. So we didn't have direct election of senators uh, for for a long time, and that worked out well. And we shouldn't have direct election of presidents for the same kinds of reasons, or at least not in the fashion that we have it. This country is too big to do this, you know, to do it on this model. But yep. boy, this is the model we have. This is the this is the uh, Constitution that we have. They, they like to ignore it enough. Um, but I, I'd, I'd rather stay with this Constitution. Maybe we amend it to do something like you're saying for presidential elections. Uh, it's Yeah, but I like subsidiarity, too. It's uh, the, the localness. Yeah. Matt, it's been good having you on the show. Uh, we're at the end of our time, and uh, I always enjoy talking to you and listening to you and learning from what you have to say, and I appreciate that. God bless you for the work you do. I, I really like your Sunday columns and uh, your regular columns. Once again, that's at uh, uh, wmbriggs.com. And, and, you know, Matt's the uh, author of... Everything You Believe is Wrong. There you go. Thank you. So, Matt, I'm looking forward to talking to you again. Brother, talk okay. to you later. Bye. Yep, bye-bye. Yep. So I'd like to close the show by leaving you with Natalie Grant singing the national anthem at the 2022 College Football Playoff National Championship last Monday. Enjoy. What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the
Wow. So thanks for joining us, Your American Heritage. Stay tuned for Moment of Clarity in the next hour. I'll be sitting in for Pastor Richard Dietermring, and we're going to be talking to David Coleman again about the Supreme Court. God bless you. The United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. Politics, 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 history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Ed Bondarenka will be hosting today's program, and he will be joining you momentarily. But in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. Former Michigan Wolverines defensive tackle Mark Messner will be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame on December 6th. Messner is the school's all-time leader with 36 sacks, which he accumulated between 1985 and 1988. He also recorded a Wolverines single-game record of five sacks versus the Northwestern Wildcats in 1987. The gridiron legend received seven more prestigious honors that included being named the co-most valuable player of the 1986 Fiesta Bowl thanks to his nine tackles and one fumble recovery in Michigan's win over Nebraska, all Big Ten first team four times, and first team All-American twice. Now here's your Moment of Clarity main host for today's program, Ed Bondarenka. Well, thank you, Derek. Thank you for uh, uh, that introduction. Uh, let's take a moment to play for Pastor Rick. He's not in any danger, life danger. He's just uh, uh, not feeling well enough to host the show. Father, would you please help Rick recover and um, please give him healing and, and, and recovery from this distress that he's feeling in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, talk about, uh, give me a second. Dave, Dave, you there? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> speaking of last minute, what I'm told, I'm watching David Coleman right now, and he's watching the monitor. He's watching the TV. You know, I couldn't have gotten him if the game wasn't ending right about now. Dave, what's going on with the game? Oh man, Michigan State's getting ready to lose to Northwestern. It's ugly. <laughs> it's a two-point so, game with 13 seconds to go. <laughs> Yeah, so, so it's a foregone conclusion, right? We'll see. I don't know. Uh, speaking well, of sports. We have the ball, 13 seconds to go, two-point game. So I don't know. If I start yelling or something now, you'll know it's either good <laughs> or bad. <laughs> Live radio. So speaking of sports, and normally we have a curling report. Dick Kupke had uh, sent uh, Rick, uh, Pastor Rick, uh, something on Facebook, it says, uh, how do you stop Canadian bacon from curling in your pan? Well, the answer is you take away their little brooms. So <laughs> there's your curling report for today. Dave, thanks for joining. You are joining us, right? Dave, focus. I, I, I don't know. I mean, am I here? Yes. <laughs> no, it's always good to be with you, Ed. Well, thanks for coming on on short notice. I know you're busier than, what, one one-legged paper hanger or something like that, whatever they, they say is busy. You are that. You've got so many cases going on right now. And um, there's been some recent news regarding... Oh, they don't have a heart attack. <laughs> oh, 
I'm having a heart attack. State, it looks like they've lost. State okay, is the Mike, three that would have won it. Oh, man. My condolences. Uh, okay. I don't know. I'm in mourning now, Ed. I'm not sure I can do the show. Sorry. Do you ever do this in court when you're when you're tele, tele uh, uh, lawyering in court? No, because they never play while you're in court, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. So let's see. Has anything interesting happened in legal news recently? No, it's been a very quiet week. Yeah, there's there's nothing going on. <laughs> okay. What would you like to talk about? <laughs> No, obviously we've been getting a lot of calls and a lot of people asking about the the mandate, the vaccine mandate cases, and there were two cases. One was the case dealing with the OSHA rules that were requiring all businesses in the country that have 100 or more students, or students, 100 or more employees to uh, require them all to be vaccinated. So that was one case. The second case was involving HHS, Health and Human Services, and uh, medic all facilities, hospitals, medical places that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding, there is a vaccine mandate. So you had two different agencies, two different vaccine mandates, and both cases were at the Supreme Court at the same time. And the Supreme Court ruled in the OSHA case that they could not require the vaccine to be given, that they threw it out. And in the healthcare case, HHS, they said they could require the vaccine. So a lot of people are like, how can this makes no sense? I mean, how can the Supreme Court come down in two cases at the same time and say one is okay and the other is not? Well, you, it's understandable at least. I mean, obviously I don't agree with the HHS decision. And I think- uh, Do you not agree with it for personal reasons or for legal no, reasons? Legal, for legal reasons and Kavanaugh, okay. frankly, you know, well, you kind of expect this point, Roberts, to go against us. I mean, he's done it so many well, times. Well, that's personal. That's never know, legal. But, that's always yeah. personal. But that's, you know, he's, uh, but now Kavanaugh joined him on this HHS case. So Kavanaugh and Roberts joined with the three liberals on the bench and ruled, so it was a 5-4 ruling that said that vaccine mandate could still continue with all the hospitals and healthcare workers. I'm a little Pollyannish here about some people, especially people I hope better from. I've given up on Roberts. I had hoped better from him. But is there a chance that Kavanaugh was being the originalist that we intended when, even though he saw it differently than some of our heroes on the court, say like Thomas, but is, is there a chance that when he said that it was the purview of CMS to come out with something like this, that he might have a leg there, or is he just being an idiot? No, I and mean, not, no, you can't say he's an idiot because you may have to actually stand in front of him someday. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I don't think any of these people are idiots, but I think you know they have their bias and their viewpoint, you know. And unfortunately, this tells us a lot about Kavanaugh and where he's coming from. He may not be the conservative that everybody thinks he is. Um, because what happened here is the issue was not the vaccine mandates. The issue in both cases was the power of state agency or of federal agencies to enforce these vaccine mandates. Where do they get the power to do this from? And the only place they can get it from is from Congress. Congress has to pass a law that allows, you know, the agencies to do what they're doing. And so when you realize that's the issue, not the vaccine mandate itself, 
but just did Congress delegate that authority to the agency? What the Supreme Court said was, yes, Congress did delegate the authority in the HHS case, the hospital medical one, but that Congress did not delegate the authority to OSHA to do it. So that makes at least the cases understandable. The, the problem is, is that the both Roberts and Kavanaugh had to do all kinds of mental gymnastics to come up with this so-called grant of authority by Congress to the uh, HHS in order for them to do the mandate. And it, it's just, it's not there. I mean, and this is what Thomas and Alito said very clearly in their dissents, where that, you know, look, you can't cobble together 10, 15 other statutes in obscure language and other you know areas of the law and try to say, okay, this now gives HHS the authority. In other words, when you have something this big, the court says they have a doctrine, it's called the major question doctrine, and that they have to, Congress has to clearly delegate the authority. It has to be unequivocal, very clear. And they did not do that in either instance. But what happened on the medical side is, well, we have these other statutes and you can kind of read into it. It's almost like Roe v. Wade, you know, the shadows and the penumbras of the Constitution. It's lurking around out there somewhere. And oh, oh, there it is, it's coming into focus. I think I see it now. And they literally kind of, you know, cobbled together this patchwork quilt. Alito called it a hodgepodge of statutes to come up with this theory that Congress did actually delegate it. When it's clear, what they're supposed to say is, we give this authority to HHS. There is no authority like that anywhere. They had to kind of cobble this together with a bunch of other statutes. So that's what's disheartening about this decision. I think part of it too is, remember, anytime the, the government, state or federal, gives you money, strings come with it. And so what's happened here, I think part of this decision with the HHS ruling is you've got funding, Medicare and Medicaid funding for both all these hospitals, all these medical clinics, nursing homes, and on and on. They take the federal government money, more strings can come with it. And so that's the rationale. Under OSHA, you didn't have that. You didn't have these companies out there taking federal money. They're private businesses running their businesses. So that's another, I think, reason for why you saw the different results. But it is very the, discouraging to see Kavanaugh come down like this. It's it's just ridiculous. And now you're going to have to say about the Federalist million, Society. Yeah, you're going to have sorry, 10, million people uh, being forced to choose. Well, do I keep working? Do I keep a job? Do I stay as a doctor, as a nurse or whatever? Uh, or do I leave my job? Now, one last thing, Ed, just as a kind of a silver lining in that case, there is a mandate in the HHS rule that was mm -hmm. not present in the OSHA rule. And that mandate is, is that the hospitals and medical facilities have to, they must allow or offer religious or medical exemptions to be requested. Now, it doesn't say they have to grant them, but they have to offer them. The OSHA one didn't even require that. It did not require any business to offer anything as an exemption. So at least under the HHS one, and that's what I've been saying on different programs since Thursday, uh, that I've been I heard on, you on Gruber. is yeah, I, I was on Joe Pags and some other shows out there. That that look, 
if you're a worker, you're a nurse, or you're a doctor, you should be immediately in writing requesting either if you have a religious objection, request it, you know, request the exemption. If you have a medical condition that your doctor is saying, I don't think you should take the vaccine, you need to request that medical exemption. You need to be putting those in in writing right away. And then hopefully a lot of these uh, facilities and hospitals and, and medical clinics will grant the exemptions because they're not going to be able to function. When you think about what's going to happen, especially in smaller communities and rural hospitals and clinics and things like that, they lose 20, 30 percent of their staff. They can't function. They're not going to be able to function. And well, they'll so just hire I, Filipino healthcare professionals. Yeah, I mean, you know, going to happen. They're, they're going to be closing down. And you want to talk about hurting people. You want to talk about people dying. Have these small hospitals all around the country go out of business. You know, in the last two years, over 100 small rural hospitals have gone out of business because of the government action and what they're doing and shutting things down. They're already going out of business. You want to talk about hurting people. They're hurting lots of people all over this country. It's awful. You know, and, and the reason for that shutdown of a lot of these healthcare facilities is because a lot of these mandates said, well, because of COVID, you can't do all these other things. You can't check people for cancer. You can't do exploratory stuff or diagnostic stuff, which is where the money comes into these facilities. And actually that protects people's lives by early prevention, early detection, early prevention. And so people are dying because of these mandates that are supposed to be keeping people from dying. And the idiots in charge don't understand that. But one of the benefits, like you said, is that if I was running a small rural healthcare facility, I would certainly say, oh, I'm sorry, you worship the flying spaghetti monster? You get a you get an exemption. I don't care who you worship. You get an exemption. Well, I'll tell you. I had somebody, you know, say, "Well, anybody can claim a religious objection for anything. They can make it up. It can be a fraud and that sort of thing." I said, "Well, you know, look, sure. <laughs> I mean, anybody could commit fraud. Lots of people do every day of the week. But businesses, if you can show that somebody is, you know," has no religious uh, background or beliefs or anything at all. They're an atheist or whatever. Um, and then they claim a religious objection. Uh, then I think you could deny those. So there may be some denials that are legitimate, but the vast majority, the way it works Ed, and you know, we've talked about this before, uh, religious beliefs are personal to the individual. You don't have to have a denomination or a church or a pastor or the Pope or whoever agreeing with your religious belief or endorsing it. You don't need a letter from your pastor. Your personal religious belief is your belief. And as long as it's not wearing tinfoil hats and expecting somebody from Mars to show up tomorrow, you know. Um, well, wait a know, minute now, some people do have that <laughs> Kohotek Comet religious belief, you know? Now you oh, can't disparage the peyote people. That's, yeah. <laughs> wait, maybe you can. So, it seems you can discriminate on peyote. Never mind. <laughs> and hey, I, I, I promised my brother, Ed, I'd give a shout out to my brother, Andy. He's listening right now from Finland. So he really? is. You have a listener in Finland right now listening to your show. I have so had a listener I, I in Switzerland. Andy. 
Wow, he's a friend of mine on Facebook too. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Congratulations. Yeah, he lives over there and uh, works over there. It does. We just I just got off talking to him before coming on with you. So is he sorely dis? Oh, my condolences, Andy, on on Michigan State. <laughs> Sorry about that, buddy. So going back to this case right now, there's just a few questions I have. I yeah. One of them is, and and of course it doesn't matter at this point because it's been settled, but. One attack was by the justices was, is there an emergency anymore? That's something Perfect. that uh, uh, Comey Barrett, Coney Barrett was questioning. Is there actually an emergency? And, and why did you guys take so long if there's an emergency to do this now? But the other point was, what's the hundred person threshold? Mm -hmm. I mean, what does that mean? If only five people work in a crowded office or, you know, a sweatshop, they don't get COVID or was that arbitrary or was that some? Nobody knows. It's like they picked the number out of the air. I don't know. Uh, you know, that's not based on any other federal law or statute or constitutional principle or anything like that. Um, I, you know, who knows where that a lot of people criticize the rule over that. Like, why not 50? Why not a thousand? I mean, who? you know, where is this coming from? Nobody really why seems to know. Why do vaccinated people get to go to work if they've tested positive? <laughs> right, and now you see so many- In healthcare facilities. Claim, yeah, the whole claim that get the vaccine and you won't get COVID has been shown to be a lie now. And you're seeing hundreds and thousands of breakthrough cases now where people who are fully vaccinated get the, get the virus and are passing it on to other people. So, you know, what, I don't understand this requirement for vaccine mandates when you still get it and you still pass it. So what's what's the point? I mean, other than if you want to make a personal decision that you think the vaccine will maybe make it so you have a less severe case. But right now, even that argument's going out the window because Omicron itself is less uh, virulent, you know, is less of a problem than Delta was. So yeah, I well, know. I had Omicron and I just found out it's interesting enough the Omicron lasted maybe two, three weeks for me. I think it's only a couple of days ago I really got where I feel comfortable with my throat. But yeah. I read last night, my friend Mike Oliver sent me a, a notice that said, hey, you were talking about the night sweats. And I hadn't heard anybody say about that. I blogged about it, put it on Facebook. I gave a whole list of things, the journal of what I experienced and what we did and all these things. And uh, nobody was talking about it. Now, all of a sudden, that's a thing. That's a real thing with Omicron. Right. So um, this ruling, and I lost the thought, which is likely to happen since I don't have a lot of detailed notes here. This ruling is not an actual final ruling. Is that not right? Right. This was a this was on preliminary orders. This was a request for stay of lower court decisions. And so this is not a final decision on the merits. So what the court did was, in again, in the OSHA case, they stayed the implementation of the OSHA rule. In other words, it cannot be enforced. And then they sent the case back to, I think it's the- The sixth? Fifth, no, or, well, I don't remember. Oh, either actually, sixth fifth or, and yeah, sixth, fifth I think. And um, to now continue on with the case. And so obviously it's kind of hard to, why would the lower courts go against what the Supreme Court ruled by saying that, you know, well, no, we find that there is congressional delegation of authority. I don't think you're going to see the lower court do that.
But you're talking about a procedural thing. They got to send it back because it's now supposed to go to a full trial. I think you're going to see the case go away. I mean, because it really does. It won't come back. It won't come back. It won't come back. Okay, right. so it's a moot point, but it's a technicality. But just in case somebody right. got, you know, concerned looking at that like I did, it's like, what? I, you know, because it sounds like a victory. Now, on the HHS case, though, on exactly. the, let me just say this real quick. On the HHS case, it might matter because that one will go back to the circuit that it was in. You have fifth or eighth or whatever it was. And you could see a decision that could be different, you know, because, again, it was just a stay. And uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And that might come back up to the court for a further ruling. So that could be interesting. So there, yeah. So there is a chance that uh, Kavanaugh and uh, Roberts might get a chance to set it straight then, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, I guess we'll see. But All right. So you were only you told me that you were kind of busy and you could only give me like a half an hour. Is that is that still true? Yeah, I really have to get going. I'm working on some uh, complaints and other things I've got to get done here today. So. I'm glad right, to be well, able to stick with you today, though, for this. I appreciate that. We do have some other cases that the Supreme Court's going to be hearing uh, shortly. Some affirmative action, um, uh, <laughs> Eastern Oklahoma, whether that belongs to the Indians or not. <laughs> you know, so there's yeah. some going to be some interesting stuff coming up in the next few months, and we can talk about that again later too. So. Sure. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Appreciate it. Sorry about state. Yeah, what can you say? First lo- first Big Ten loss. That's not good. So, but it All happens. Right, <laughs> All, right. All right. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, Ed. Thanks. You too. See Bye. You Bye. Derek, when you get a chance, put Joe on the phone, okay? Hello, brother Ed. How are you? I'm just fine. So you said my show sucked, huh? Darn. <laughs> yeah, I had to tease you, of course. And, of course, okay. I got to tease uh, Pastor Rick. Sorry to hear he's sick again, but, oops, I mean he's ill again because we all know he's permanently sick in the head, and that's a whole other oh, thing. Oh, no, no, but- no. Let's be nice, Joe. Let's be nice, okay? <laughs> Look, you know, I mean, and everybody I, listening, I, I, it's a joke. I'm teasing him. He'll get me back later. But seriously, I'd help to ask David how it applies because to me, oh, and for the record, told you also, I opposed Kavanaugh's appointment, uh, and I wrote about it on Before It's News years ago, so I'm not just saying that now. I was on the record years ago. But Idiot Viviano is the one that told Whitler she could go through the health department. Right. That just exposes <laughs> his that. lack of constitutional muster and that Whitler's use of the HHS is now also null and void. Yeah, exactly. I reminds you, I was in a court case once and the, the prosecutor standing up there and he's kind of like lost. And it was because I didn't realize that a federal witness had jumped bail and almost destroyed this guy's case in this conspiracy case. But they had the other guy and he wasn't sure how he could, you know, keep going. And the judge actually gave him a clue from the bench and said, oh, uh, yeah, you could probably do this. And I asked both of them later, says, yeah, it's probably probably do a uh, retrial call for a retrial. But nobody's going to tell that guy when he's in prison. He's a scumbag. <laughs> that was pretty cool. But you know, you're right. Viviano did the same thing, coached from the bench. Like, well, why are you doing it this way when you could have done it through Health and Human Services? And by the way, along those lines, 
There is a restaurant bar, the Iron Pig, I think it is, up north that the state Supreme Court just ruled in their favor because they were being ticketed over this. Now, we've got how many seconds left? One minute. Okay, Derek's holding up the one-minute flag. <laughs> so that means I got 30 seconds till the music starts. And so, yeah, that, uh, the Iron Pig case, uh, I've got to look that up over the break. Glad you brought that up. So uh, thanks for calling in. We got Gary from Tucson. I don't have to say Highland Park anymore. Gary from Tucson's calling in. We'll get to him after the break, uh, commercial break. So folks, come back, moment of clarity. Uh, you're not hallucinating. This is not your American heritage. This is moment of clarity. Pastor Rick is down with the weather right now. Come back after the break. Thanks. with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering on Wham. Pastor Rick is not available for today's program. Instead, Ed Bondarenka will be joining you momentarily. But in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Detroit Pistons defeated the Utah Jazz 126-116 to this past Monday. Detroit trailed by 22 in the second quarter and 13 at halftime but Cade Cunningham scored 18 of his 29 points in the third quarter to give the Pistons a four-point lead with 12 minutes remaining in regulation. Cunningham scored six consecutive points in the fourth quarter to increase the Detroit advantage to eight points and allow them to cruise to the victory. Sadiq Bey also tallied 29 points, 15 of which came behind the three-point line, while Hamadou Diallo, Trey Lyles, Corey Joseph, and Josh Jackson combined for 51 points and 15 assists to lead the Pistons to their ninth win of the season. Now here's your Moment of Clarity main host for today's program, Ed Bondarenka. Hi, welcome back to Moment of Clarity. Uh, let's see now. I want to clear something up I said earlier and I said that uh, the Michigan Supreme Court had ruled in favor of a uh, restaurant. And actually, I'm looking here now at uh, some TV station, 9 and 10 News. A Seago County judge rules in favor of Iron Pig Smokehouse's appeal of citation issued by MDHHS. So it says that an Otsego County judge has ruled in favor of the smokehouse. And uh, then it goes on to say the court found that the section of the health code that allows the director to issue emergency orders was not specific enough to how much power that entails or how long the order can continue. As a result of the ruling, any penalty Iron Pig faced for staying open during the shutdown, including a $5,000 fine, are void. So I assume that's going to go to the Michigan State Supreme Court. Something else to hold up in prayer because, as I've been saying, this isn't just political warfare. This is spiritual warfare. And we need to be praying, praying, because the, the Bible, and I don't remember the exact quote, but the Bible says that uh, the Lord holds the king's hearts in his hand or something to that effect. I'm sure some translation somewhere says something close to that. But God can actually move upon uh, judges. In fact, we're, we're given the example of the unjust judge and the widow 
who came against him so often, you know, and he finally ruled and ruled in her favor. And we can do the same. We can go to the Lord of hosts and say, would you please move on these people to rule in our favor or remove them from office, however he sees fit. And I really mean that, however he sees fit up to extreme prejudice. It's, it's somebody blame God then if he does that, I'm all for it if necessary. Let's see, now we were gonna move on to a phone call from an uh, expatriate patriot uh, who's calling from Tucson, Gary from Tucson. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Ed, um, keeping it together down here. Um, Excellent. One of the problems I have is the overarching question is why do 100 million people have their lives and future and the way to make money jeopardized or hazarded by a few men who wear black robes and women now. This is not how the system was set up. That we oh, all have to sit around excuse here me. waiting for them to tell us how our lives are going to be. That's just bogus. And we might have won this one. We got the ruling we wanted on this one, but they never go away. They'll be coming back with more and more, and they'll try to use as many um, laws as they can break um, to twist things around and m make this country into something it was never meant to be. So that's why I say nothing runs the way it's supposed to or was intended. Everything's been corrupted. And so we have to watch also into the future because they'll be coming back trying to mandate other things because now they've got the taste. That's what I have to say. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. You're kind of in a hurry there. You know, you're kind of echoing some of the comments that, that were made between Matt Briggs and myself earlier on my show. I know you listened to that because you were kind enough to send me a text that you thought it was a good show, and I appreciate that. Unlike Joe Lennard, who thought it sucked, which I will keep in mind next time he calls. But uh, having said all that, you said it's sad that it's in the hands of the black robe uh, uh, persons on the Supreme Court. And unfortunately, it's it started with Biden, who was a, a, a an appointed official, a not elected, an appointed official. And then he, in turn, appoints people in the bureaucracy, the uh, expertocracy, as, as Matt Briggs called it. And then they make rulings outside of congressional limitations. Somehow or other, Congress is totally out of the loop on this thing. And then the administrative state says something and then everybody's lives are in jeopardy. Then it goes to other courts, like we we're just talking, like I was just talking about the Otsego County judge who ruled in favor of Iron Pig Smokehouse. So it starts there, then it works its way up. Then it ends up through a bunch of other black robes to the Supreme black robes. So there was a lot of stuff going on in between the, I mean, the black robes didn't come down and say, you must wear a mask or give up your job. In a, in a well, sense, they did. In a sense, they did because they agreed with it, but it wasn't their idea. So, well, that makes yeah, sense. That's true. Yes, it does. But that's the problem with the system. The system should have recognized long ago that this is bogus and we don't have the right to do this to the American citizen. He has body autonomy and we can't do this anywhere. So it should have never got to the Supreme Court. You know, one thing that I'm concerned about, and I started to approach Dave Coleman with it, but I was interrupting him and I didn't finish it, was I'm I'm concerned about, are we relying, or was Trump, or are we as, uh, and I'm not a conservative, I'm based. 
Should we as based people, should we worry about the Federalist Society and the recommendations they make? Because there were some moments that Coney Barrett was giving me a scare. Gorsuch for a bit gave me a scare, but man, I think he's, I think he's in the Thomas, I think he's Thomas class or Alito class. What do you think? You, you can never assume just by the name or what you think about a society or, or group that they're always doing the right thing. Um, look at the Boy Scouts. I mean, for decades and decades, I thought they were righteous. I don't think that anymore. So the society you mentioned, the Federal Society, I don't know them for Adam any more than I know the Proud Boys or uh, you know these other groups these, that are running around doing their thing. So I don't know who they are and what they stand for. Yeah, okay. Fair point, fair point. They they also may have um, evolved and, and ewoked and become sure. debased. Absolutely. Okay. Just look at the face of religion right now, how evolved and woke they've become. If they can do it, then any the federal society is just as acceptable to it. Sure. Uh, by the way, speaking of COVID, you know, COVID and the vax. I was watching Brett Bears, who I'm I'm really, oh man, I'm loving Brett Bear these days. You know, people talk about Fox News. They won't watch Fox News anymore. They got rid of Chris Wallace and they 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 replaced him with Brett Bear. And I think Fair and Balance describes him probably leaning right of center. But uh yeah, I'm I'm enjoying watching the news again. And so he had Brit Hume on, and they were doing the, uh, was it news of the news of the future? Okay, so each one of the panelists had something that they thought might happen, and this is what Brit Hume had to say about the vax. Eventually, administration officials tell Ukrainians worried about a Russian invasion to get vaccinated. Told that vaccinations won't keep you from getting invaded. And they say they're not surprised because it won't keep you from getting Omicron either. <laughs> <laughs> is that good did you expect that well, from yeah, but i wonder if they've got their vax cards when they come across the border oh my goodness yeah yeah so um all right well thanks for calling gary i appreciate you calling in uh and the phone number is 734-822-1600 i appreciate anybody calling in because if nobody else calls in then it's just me it could be dead air it could be uh, idiocy, you never know what you'll get, or just a bunch of sound clips. Like this, thanks, Gary. Like this one. This is something that was played recently when the Department of Education secretary uh, was speaking with the vice president. I'm sorry, let's see, the president's spouse, Dr. Jill Biden. And somebody actually came up with a fanfare for the first lady. In other words, it's not enough that, you know, it's hail to the chief for the president, but if Joe Biden's gonna speak, we get to listen to this. frankly think that that tune matches the weird dresses that the woman wears. 
I halfway expect when I hear that for a clown car to drive up and a thousand clowns jump out of the clown car. And now everybody and his brother is disavowing whose idea it was to come up for this fanfare. Her staff is saying, no, we didn't ask for it. And the Marine Corps band is saying, well, we kind of thought it'd be nice, but we didn't, you know, we weren't sure what to do. And a lot of disavowal. It's, it's kind of funny. So there's that. Let's see what else is going on in the news today. Scottus, as we were talking about, and um, <laughs> a friend of mine just texted me. Martin says, sounds like F Troop. <laughs> He's absolutely right. If you're of a certain age, you'll remember the TV show F Troop. Yeah, with the Hakawi Indians too. So then um, I was watching the news as usual, and there was an interview shown. I would never watch a full interview with um, with Kamala Harris, but this is this is an interview with our vice presidentess. All right, you ready for this? At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working? We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Now, earlier on my show, I was talking to Matt Briggs, and we were talking about certain dodges that people use in, uh, in debates or arguments and some responses that, you know, don't answer the question and avoid answering the question. I'm not even sure if she knew what the question was, but I certainly don't know what the answer is. I want to play just the answer for you again. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Amazing, amazing. And we think that Biden babbles too. So uh, once again, the phone number is 734-822-1600. And feel free to call in. Right now we've got Jenny from Brownstown calling in, which I'm totally, well, wait a minute. This isn't my show she's calling. I was going to say she, I'm honored that Jenny calls my show, but she would call Pastor Ricks. Hi, Jenny, how you doing? Um, you Jenny. know, first of all, I want to say quickly, I just want to say this. I don't know what anybody does, how anybody gets through these times without faith. I don't I don't know what I do without the Lord. I just don't. I'm so I'm, thankful I'm, to him. I'm in full agreement with you. It's not it's not just the getting through, you know, these times, but it's also being prepared for the battle. Because this is, a, this is a spiritual battle. As you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We yeah. wrestle against powers and, and principles of the air. And uh, you have to put on the full armor of God to resist this attack Amen. on your personal sovereignty, on your ability to worship God and, and uh, to proselytize, to evangelize. You were going to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, which one of these cases that went through this week is going back 
to a lower court, are they both going back to a lower court? In all technicality, they will both go back to the lower court. And the way David Coleman was explaining it, because I had that question when I, I read it on the news and I thought, going back, what? But what's happening is these the Supreme Court gave their opinion. And so they they didn't stay, I'm sorry, they stayed the execution of these uh, mandates, but it wasn't like a permanent ruling. What they're doing is they're they're telling the lower court this is what we think about it. And the lower court is then going to, the lower court is then going to uh, adjust its decisions based on what the Supreme Court said. Because, hey, if it, if it does proceed in the lower court after the, you know, if the emergency stay hadn't been given, it would still go through the Supreme, through the court system and then go up to the Supreme Court. All the Supreme Court did say was, hey, why don't you just stop right now? We're giving you, we're telling you what we think about it and what we will think about it in the future. And so this is going to help the lower court make its decision against it. I, I hope that was clear. Okay, so then there is still hope for all these little hospitals, correct? Yeah, in a, in a sense there is for uh, two basic reasons. Um, and one of them is that the resim um, the religious exemptions have been mandated and uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to text somebody the phone number at a second. So the religious mandates have been mandated. They have to offer a religious mandate. So that's one. And two, the lower court may you know, say, okay, well, we're going to rule against it, period, and watch it go back up to the Supreme Court. They could do that, and and we can pray along those lines. The the okay, the yeah. Health and Human Services one, or CMS, however you want to call them, the one re regarding medical facilities. Was that clear? Yes, and I appreciate that because this is the first show that I've heard this on, and I've listened to quite a few, and this is the first show where I have heard that there is still some hope. So I'm gonna well, thank gonna you. Keep praying. I try and provide hope where it's possible. Thank you. Okay, well, anyway, um, have a good week, and I'm glad you're getting over the China virus. Yep, thank you very much, Jenny. God bless you. Talk to you God later. Bless you. Let's talk to Tom from Detroit. And once again, the number is 734-822-1600. Hi, Tom. Yeah, um, yeah, you were talking about those federal cases earlier, and, you know, I like to, you know, go go down to like a, a little deeper level of, you know, how how does the federal government figure they have uh, jurisdiction in the first place? I mean, the answer to that is they're going to say, oh, it affects interstate commerce, and this is that's the one where they've expanded <laughs> it way past what it's supposed to be to to gain jurisdiction in just about everything. Um, you know, the Constitution in Article One, Section Eight. It doesn't say anything about um, interstate commerce. It says, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read it, to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. You know, and the point is, is I'm not a state, okay? Right, so, right. Let me give you so something here, okay? They're trying this, is, this is from Scottish blog. I read this, and it's, it's <clears throat> apropos. The dissenters tackled the same question that was at the heart of a concurring opinion filed by Justice Neil Gorsuch 
and joined by Thomas and Alito. Who should decide how to respond to the pandemic? For Gorsuch, the answer is clear. Quote, that was a quote, the answer is clear. The states and Congress. And the dissenters reached a very different conclusion. OSHA, with its expertise in workplace safety and its status as a politically accountable government agency, is better suited to make decisions about how to protect workers. And then there's a quote, a court lacking any knowledge of how to safeguard workplaces and insulated from responsibility for any damage it causes. So once again, now this court's saying, you know, the the uh, leftist members of the court, the debased members of the court, they're saying we should defer to OSHA, which is what these people are all saying. So thanks, I appreciate your call, Tom. It's a good point. I've got other callers and I, I'd like to get them in because I've asked for people to call, okay? And Tom is gone. All right, let's talk. Is Kathleen next? No, I thought there was a Kathleen from Brighton. No, she hung up. No, Alex <laughs> is next. Oh, Alex. Okay. Hi, Alex. Oh, you were telling me who's next or not. I'm sorry. Hey, Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Ed. Who's on first, you mean? But uh, yeah, exactly. I, I'm just calling I'm, so you wouldn't play I'm Joe Biden's theme song again. I'm sorry, say it again, please. I'm I'm just calling so you wouldn't play Joe Biden's uh, theme song again. <laughs> okay, I promise I won't. I promise no, no, I no. won't. Thanks. But, uh, but to, to weigh in on the Supreme Court uh, decision, it, um, the, the attorney I read is Jeff Childers, and he says this yes. is a very political uh, uh, decision. It's very, it, it was meant to, to not really break ground. But to uh, to sort of save the Supreme Court from uh, the Democrats trying to pack it, you know, giving giving them reasons to pack the court and thereby getting their way on everything. Uh, it's not going to be used for um, a lot of lower courts to say cite. Well, the Supreme Court said that, you know, it's sort of a stopgap measure and right uh, right it's a stay it's a stay it's not a quote unquote final decision you're absolutely right right okay and thanks i appreciate and appreciate okay well i'm sorry i'll talk to you <laughs> later then all right thanks alex i appreciate that alex wassell find him on facebook alex wassell jr uh, and he posts a lot of great stuff so now let's talk to kathleen from brighton <laughs> thank you derek hi kathleen Am I on? Yes, you are. You got a couple minutes. What's up? Yeah, you know, on with the vice president, you know, she's talking about that they, it's time that they all agree that they have the tools that they need to slow this virus down. And I'm just curious why there wasn't a follow-up question like, what are they and when are you going to use them? Because we're not in a slowdown. <laughs> I I really think he just it was like huh what was the answer I understand what you're saying but her answer was so contorted I personally if I was interviewing we're like what's my response to that so I I, I feel for the guy you know but you're absolutely right what it, there was a, yeah, a, you got a nonsense him, bring answer because you know we're all a little tired we we need some relief and don't hold out on us now Kamala. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah, yeah. Well, like that's totally real, befuddled. Befuddled is what she is. 
That's the point. Let's play that oh, no one doubt. more time. No doubt. I, I hear you. At that. what point does the administration it's say, you know what? It is time I for us like to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Amazing, right? Like yeah. today is the day we can agree. Today's the day, all right. Yep. Let's so, let's get on it. Today's the day, Kamala. <laughs> yeah. But thanks so, for taking my call. Love your show. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Don't don't uh, don't hesitate to call in, okay? We've got one minute left. Derek is giving me the one minute sign, which I really appreciate. You know, that's he's saying, here's your sign. And that's that's always good because otherwise I would just babble on indeterminately wondering when the show's going to be over, if somebody else is going to call and just keep talking and talking and talking. And that's never a good thing, but it sure is a lot better than, well, maybe it's not better than dead air. I don't know. Let's try dead air. How's that? Let's go for dead air. <laughs> nope. Dead air is not a good thing either. So, folks, once again, 30 seconds. Thanks for joining us on Moment of Clarity. I'm sorry I've kind of bollocked up Rick's show. He'll make me pay for it later. But uh, join us next week. And, and you can, if you uh, found any of this interesting, my show, any of the other shows, check the podcast on whamradio.com. Thanks a lot. Join us next week. You've been listening to A Moment of Clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio.